Hello there everyone, I'm Rob, a producer on the Black Country Talking News, and this week's edition is for the 12th of October 2022. Hello and welcome to the Black Country Talking News, brought to you by the sight loss charity Beacon Centre. We're pleased to confirm that the Talking News is now available via Alexa. Once you've enabled the Talking Newspapers skill, all you need to do is play Talking Newspapers and ask for the Black Country Talking News. Our Talking News service is also available via the free Wireless for the Blind app. It can be found on the Beacon Centre website www.beaconvision.org forward slash talking news. As a podcast via services such as Apple or Spotify or as a free CD, simply contact Beacon Centre on 01902 we hope you enjoy this week's edition. Thank you, Christine. Speaking for us this week, we have myself, Rob, Mina, Ian, Tim, Helen, Angela, Christine, Liz, Ed, Anne, and of course, Flashback Roger. In this week's edition, we have an update from Beacon, some local news from the Black Country. We have the quiz with Mina, news from West Bromwich Albion and Wolves, and did you know section from Flashback Roger, the weather, News about a research project looking for volunteers, an interview with Steve Nutt of Computer Room Services, and rounding us off, we have a seasonal article about pumpkins. However, we start this week, of course, with our guest the sound question. I'm going to play a sound clip, and all you have to do is simply guess what it is. So, here's this week's clip. Have a think on that, and me and we'll reveal the answer later, alongside the usual quiz answers. Have now then, as always, some local news. Brought to us by Ed, Liz, Christine, Ian, and first up, it's Angela. Dudley Council has controversially pulled out of the Black Country plan after the four authorities could not agree on how it would progress. The regional plan was created to identify housing and employment land needed to meet the government's target to build 76,000 new homes across the four boroughs by 2039. More than 7,700 homes were set to be built on green belt sites under the plan, which has been mired in controversy since its inception. However, Dudley has now pulled out of the coalition with Walsall, Sandwell and Wolverhampton, causing the other councils to declare their disappointment and surprise. Earlier this year, almost 20,800 people across the Black Country responded to consultation on the plan, and a further 18,000 people signed petitions. The vast majority were from Dudley. Following the enormous amount of feedback, Dudley leaders have since said they would pull two sites from the plan, land south of Holbeach Lane, Kings Minford, and land in Swindon Road, Wall Heath. But after the Black Country authorities failed to come to agreement, Councillor Patrick Harley, the leader of Dudley Council, said he could not allow the overwhelming feedback from the public to be ignored. Therefore, he has pledged to recommend to Dudley's Council Cabinet that the authority should withdraw and create its own plan. Councillor Harley said, 
At every stage of this plan, we have made it clear that it must be led by the people who live here. I simply cannot stand by and allow decisions to be made which are contrary to the overwhelming feedback that we've already received. This is clearly a very emotive subject and people feel very strongly about it. I must reflect that in the decisions I make for the people of this borough. We will therefore look to go it alone and look at what is needed to support a Dudley specific plan and setting out the timescales for that. West Midlands Metro bosses have confirmed reduced tram services will run during the first four days of strike action later this month. Services have now been confirmed for October 15th, 18th, 20th and 22nd, while arrangements have not yet been made for the following 49 strike dates, taking place between October and January. However, on these four strike dates, trams will only run between Wolverhampton St George's and Bull Street. This means passengers will be unable to get on or off at stops like Grand Central for Birmingham New Street or Library for Centenary Square. It also means the service will not run on the newly completed extension to Edgbaston. On Saturdays, October the 15th and October the 22nd, trams will run every 15 minutes between Wolverhampton St George's and Bull Street in Birmingham from 8.30am until the last departures at 5pm. On Tuesday, October 18th and Thursday, October 20th, a 15-minute service will also be in operation between Wolverhampton and Bull Street starting at 7.30am with the final departures of the day at 6pm. While it is not yet known what services will look like on the strike dates following these, Metro bosses say they will be doing everything possible to operate the very best service that we can. A spokesman for the West Midlands Metro said, The union Unite has notified us that their members intend to take industrial action from Saturday the 15th of October. On the impending strike days, we will be doing everything possible to operate the very best service that we can. Having finalised plans for the first four dates, we have been able to minimise the impact on the majority of journeys. The poorest residents in the Black Country are not getting the government's £400 energy bills support scheme despite struggling to pay rising bills. The YMCA is calling on the government to help residents in shared housing whose electric meter costs are 40% of their weekly £61 universal credit payment. Paying for electric through a pay-as-you-go meter is more expensive than paying monthly, but as there is a single supply of electric to the property, the residents do not qualify for the £400 per household. YMCA Black Country Chief Executive Steve Clay said, We have 219 residents vulnerable to homelessness that are affected by this oversight. The energy costs in the associated properties after taking the Energy Bill Relief Scheme into consideration, has increased to over 300% from October the 1st, rising from £2.57 per unit to £8 per unit. Energy costs for these vulnerable residents now accounts for up to 40% of their £61 per week universal credit. 
It is essential that these residents are not excluded from the additional £400 being offered to all domestic households. Energy companies do not count these properties within the £400 per household scheme as they are classed as non-domestic supply. Mr Clay believes the solution is for the government to divert resources to housing charities like the YMCA. He said the easiest way to address this would be for energy companies or the government to provide the £400 per household support directly to charities who are providing the accommodation so that they can pass it on to their residents in a staged manner over the six-month period. This is currently the mechanism for private landlords who provide rents inclusive of utility costs through domestic supply contracts. The YMCA has 406 accommodation units for young people across the black country, including Dudley, Sandwell, Wolverhampton and Warsaw. The YMCA also runs a community gym in West Bromwich. Almost 750 paramedics and ambulance staff at West Midlands Ambulance Service are being balloted for strike action over calls for a pay rise in line with inflation. GMB union members at the service will be asked if they want to go on strike along with the East Midlands Ambulance Service over their 4% pay award. Union chiefs in the area say the imposed boost from the government leaves workers facing another massive real terms pay cut as they criticised ministers. Dates of the vote will be announced in the coming days and comes after a ballot was announced for workers at Yorkshire and North East Ambulance Services. Workers at the West Midlands Service have previously shown a strong appetite for strike action, with 88% voting in favour of it, on a turnout of 51%. Stuart Richards, GMB senior organiser, said, Ambulance workers should be out on the streets trying to save lives. Instead, they're worrying about feeding their own families. It's a national disgrace. The Conservatives have been in power for more than 12 years, and during that time, our ambulance services have crumbled. We now face the first ambulance strike in 40 years, and it's a damning indictment of their leadership. GMB Union will stand shoulder to shoulder with our members and fight for the above inflation pay rise that our NHS workers deserve. Local music legends Robert Plant and Beverly Knight will be sounded out when playing Wolverhampton Civic Hall when it reopens. The move comes after the new operator of the Civic, AEG Presents, confirmed the venue would finally start hosting shows again in June 2023 after an eight-year revamp costing £48 million. The venue now known as the Civic at the Halls Wolverhampton will hold a series of test events next spring. There will also be small-scale community preview events before Christmas. Stourbridge-born AEG Presents CEO Steve Homer said, having hosted artists from The Clash, Bowie, and Nirvana to the Manic Street Preachers and Morrissey. It's incredible to be able to bring an iconic venue back to life as a local lad. This is all the more special. We can't wait to open the doors of the Halls Wolverhampton and bring the world's best artists to the West Midlands stage. And Mr Homer revealed he is hoping musical legends will be up for headlining a local gala as part of a series of launch shows. Wolverhampton Council will hand the keys to the Civic to AEG Presents on the 21st of November when the promoter will start work on completing final renovations to the front of house bars, kitchen, sounds and light systems. Bosses say the reopening will see world-class artists return to the 84-year-old Grade 2 listed venue, 
which will feature more comfortable seats, extra bars and improved toilet facilities and a new balcony. Up next, we hear from Helen, who of course has for us the Beacon update. Hi everyone, it's Helen from Beacon. How are you? I hope you're well and managing the change in weather in recent weeks okay. As I record this, it's raining pretty heavily, so if you can hear something in the background, it's probably the rain hammering against the windowsill of my lounge. I wouldn't mind if I could stay inside my home all afternoon, but uh, I've got to go out shortly to collect some of my children from school, so i best get the umbrella ready, I think. Now, first up this week, have you got your outfit sorted for our Bright for Sight Day? We headed to our Sedgley charity shop for some outfit inspiration to help you go bright for Beacon on October the 13th. And we shared a short video on social media that featured lots of brightly coloured clothing, such as a pink and white spotted shirt, a yellow man's jumper and an orange zip top, all for bargain prices, I might add. All you need to do to join in is find a bright outfit, wear it on October the 13th and donate what you can to Beacon. Amongst those who've shown their support is Councillor Jasbir Jaspal, the Cabinet Member for Health and Wellbeing at the City of Wolverhampton Council, who is helping us spread the message that bright colours and good contrast can help people make the most of their sight. So join in the fun. The date, don't forget, is Thursday, October the 13th. Eva, if you come to our centre, ask our staff all about it. We'd love to see you in something bright that day. Or you can head to our website www.beaconvision.org forward slash bright hyphen for hyphen site. Now, can you tick the box for Beacon? It's recently been Gift Aid Awareness Day. If you're a UK taxpayer and sign up for Gift Aid with us, we can claim 25% more on your donation at no extra cost through a government scheme that allows charities to reclaim basic rate tax on your gift. If you tick the box to Gift Aid, we can do much more for people with sight loss. It's quick and easy to sign up. If you're in one of our shops, our staff will be happy to help with any retail donations Or you can email us about gift aiding on a donation to our charity at supportus at beaconvision.org. Now, lastly this week, I'm going to use the C word. Yep, Christmas. Our Santa Run early bed tickets are on sale until October the 30th. Use the code early bed, that's early bed or one word, to get your adult ticket for just £8. Join in the festive fun at Wolverhampton's West Park on Sunday, December the 4th and get your ticket for the event sponsored by our friends at Collins Aerospace via our website www.beaconvision.org Child and doggy tickets are also available. We'd absolutely love for you to join us. Right, that's it for this week. I'll be back again soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers that update, Helen. Up now, we're our next block of local news. And starting this one off, we first hear Christine. A new helpline has been launched to help Wolverhampton pensioners cope with the cost of living crisis. Community fundraiser Guru G Singh has teamed up with Guru Teg Bahadur Gurdwara, Upper Villiers Street, to provide free hot meals to pensioners and those in need. Last Saturday, Guru Singh gave away 100 free meals within an hour outside Major's chip shop in Bilston. Mr Singh said, 
I have been doing charity work for 30 years and I have never seen poverty like we are seeing now. We are providing meals for pensioners, the blind, single mothers and those with Alzheimer's. We can deliver anywhere in Wolverhampton and will give people free meals for four days. The Gurdwara supplies Guru Singh with food and essentials, but he implored Wolverhampton residents and businesses to donate supplies. He said, the Gurdwara have been brilliant. They always come through for us and allow us to feed so many people. We urgently need all types of tinned food, vegetables, all types of packet food, hygiene items, nappies and all types of Asian food. We are also appealing for clothing, coats, trousers, hats, sleeping bags and all types of shoes. Guru Singh will be outside S&D Supermarket Dudley Road, Wolverhampton on Fridays between 11am and 1pm and outside Major's Chip Shop Bilston on Saturdays between 11am and 1pm, accepting supplies and giving out meals. However, Guru Singh wants to find a permanent unit where he can prepare and serve meals to the needy. He said, if anyone has a unit or premises which they think would be suitable for us to prepare meals, then please get in touch. The 76-year-old is also planning yet more fundraising campaigns, including a sponsored barefoot walk in January, and wants to increase his hot food delivery service to meet the growing demand. The Bilston Rising Cost of Living helpline is 0799-070-6619. Major regeneration works are expected to start up in a black country town next year, under a £10 million scheme backed by the government. Under the proposals, Briley Hills High Street will be transformed through the scheme funded by the Future High Streets Fund awarded in 2020. But it will mean residents will be facing a string of staggered roadworks around the High Street from January, which could last up to May 2024. The works had originally been timetabled to start up on Monday, but it had already been moved to next year, despite concerns it was starting this week. Councillor Shaz Saleem, Cabinet Member for Highways and Public Realm at Dudley Council, said, Thanks to funding from the Government through the Future High Street Fund and Briley Hill High Street's Heritage Action Zone, we are working on Public Realm improvements for Briley Hill High Street. These will bring huge benefits to the town by providing improved public spaces and we will soon be consulting with the public on the proposals. There will be no temporary signals or closures this side of Christmas as part of these improvements. We have merely submitted a preparatory road closure permit to allow us to progress work once the proposals have been finalised. I can assure residents and businesses that due to the potential size and complexity of these works, Advance notification will be given at least four weeks prior to work starting and that any works on site will not be until the new year. The move will see public realm works carried out such as pavement upgrades, new curbs and changes to the high street and traffic related schemes. It will see a temporary traffic lights junction set up on Briley Hill High Street and Level Street with works expected to conclude on the 3rd of May 2024. Mill Street between High Street and Venture Way will be shut, but the works are expected to be staggered across the town over the lengthy period. 
A summer activity scheme has been declared a success as thousands of children and young people took part in a wide range of fun days, sporting activities and holiday clubs across Wolverhampton. This year's Yo! Summer Activity Programme was held throughout the summer holidays. More than 32,000 children, young people and their families enjoyed a wide range of activities, up from 12,000 the year before. Highlights included athletics and multi-sports at WV Active, where over 1,700 youngsters got involved over the six weeks break, while nearly 1,900 young bookworms joined activities at the city's libraries. Other events included martial arts with Wolverhampton Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a popular summer camp at The Way, drama days with the Central Youth Theatre, a rock school with WV10 Consortium and Tech Play with Learn Play Foundation. Nearly 500 children and young people with special educational needs and disabilities also enjoyed a variety of events organised by charities such as Let Us Play, which provided a huge range of activities over the holidays for 5 to 19-year-olds with special educational needs and disabilities. Councillor Beverly Momenabadi, Wolverhampton Council's Cabinet Member for Children and Young People, said, This year's Yo! Summer Programme was designed to bring children and young people of Wolverhampton together through an exciting programme of events throughout the summer holidays. With the combined help of over 45 partners and funding from the Council and Department of Education, we certainly delivered a fantastic summer for our young people, and it was encouraging to see so many getting involved and making the most of the opportunities we created. A temporary travellers' site in Coesley, which has been mired in controversy, could be made a permanent fixture under current council plans. The site on Budden Road has been a major point of contention for Dudley Council after police refused to move on travellers from the site last year over concerns their human rights would be infringed. This was despite a group staying at the site for longer than the 28-day period allowed by law. The dispute between Dudley Council and West Midlands Police led Council Leader Patrick Harley to say, We feel badly let down by the police and call for the borough's police commander, Kim Medeal, to be moved from Dudley Borough because I have lost all confidence in her ability to be impartial. Councillor Harley was then hauled in front of a standards committee earlier this year after accusing Medeal of belonging to the Woke Brigade. Senior Conservative MP Jacob Rees-Mogg even waded into the row in the House of Commons, insisting it was fundamental the law was carried out by the police. Mr Rees-Mogg said the decision sets a terrible precedent for councils across the country who may find they have wasted taxpayers' money by following legislation set out by the place to invest in designated sites. Despite seeking a High Court injunction last November to get the travellers expelled from the site, the Council has since changed course and is submitting plans to make the site permanent. Dudley Council now claims the site has caused a significant drop in illegal encampments since it opened, giving the Council and police greater powers to deal with those who do set up illegal encampments. 
The council says such encampments can then be moved on from council land quickly and more efficiently, enabling them to provide more effective support to private landowners. Wolverhampton Wanderers Football Club is to open a permanent matchday fan zone outside Molyneux, which will include stalls selling official merchandise, food and drink including alcohol, a children's play area and live entertainment. The club was given the go-ahead for the permanent fixture by council bosses this week after previously running matchday fan zones under temporary licences. It will be constructed on the site of the car park which replaced the now demolished former Fox slash Wanderer pub. The 1,390 square metre site which is accessed via the subway under the ring road from the university quarter is a popular arrival point at Molyneux. The existing zone has three permanent shipping container type structures and a combination of low-level palisade fencing, railings and bollards. Other features of the enclosed fan zone will include a new toilet block, video screen, stage and a stall for the Wolves Foundation's Feed Our Pack program, a charity initiative set up to support local food banks. A statement from AFL Architects submitted alongside the plan said, Use of the site will be a match day fan zone with other additional use for events on non-match days. It will be open from three hours before a match until 15 minutes after kickoff. The club's plan is to use the site for other commercial non-match day events throughout the year, such as supporter events, craft fairs, student events, festive markets and food and drink events. It will be built to accommodate a capacity of around 1,300 people. The use will be occasional and not a continuous seven-day operation. Lighting where none currently exists and secure perimeter fencing with entrance and exit gates will also be installed. Now it's time to test your knowledge as we have the quiz questions for this edition and they're brought to us by Mina. Hello and welcome to this week's sugar-themed flashback quiz. All the answers you need can be found later in Flashback Rogers' Did You Know feature. But for now, here are your questions. Are you ready? Question 1. What was sugar known as in the Middle Ages? Question 2. What was often used as a sweetener before sugar? Question 3. What can sugar be also used for? Question 4. Why do we love sugar so much? Question 5. What is unusual recently discovered quality of sugar? And finally, question 6. What fruit contains more sugar than strawberries? As always, I'll be back to reveal the answers later in the show. But for now, good luck. Just those questions, Mina. I'll of course give those a ponder. Up now, it's another block of local news. And starting this one off, we first hear from Angela. Dudley residents have been warned not to touch dead wild birds which have been found throughout the borough amid warnings about avian flu. The Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs and the UK Health Security Agency are helping Dudley Council deal with the dead birds. Birds were found in Mary Stevens Park and barriers were installed blocking off pathways and play areas this week. 
Dudley Council posted a warning on social media after reports of dead birds at multiple locations leading to the areas where they were found being closed to the public. A council spokesman said, We've had a number of reports of dead wild birds in various locations across the borough, including Mary Stevens Park. It's important people do not touch or let their pets near to any dead or poorly wild fowl. Instead, please contact Dudley Council Plus on 0300 555 2345. The spokesman added, We are liaising with DEFRA and the UK Health Security Agency concerning the safe removal of the birds. As a precautionary measure, areas within Mary Stevens Park have been closed, including pathways around the lake and the children's play area near to where the birds were found. It is not known if the discovery of the birds is linked to avian influenza. Bird flu has been found at scores of poultry farms and commercial premises across the UK in the past year, while the disease has also ripped through breeding colonies of seabirds, killing thousands in some sites. Construction is expected to be completed on a new roundabout at a major M6 junction in the Black Country as part of a £78 million upgrade works. Revamp work is currently underway at Junction 10 at Walsall under a major programme designed to reduce congestion at the extremely busy route. And now it has been announced construction on the roundabout and some connecting roads may be finished off within a few weeks, bosses say. It comes after the major project, due to be finished by spring this year, was delayed until autumn this year due to delays in manufacturing new bridges. National Highways Project Manager Rumbi Dezikiti said work is continuing at pace on the M6 Junction 10 improvements and we are currently carrying out extensive resurfacing around the roundabout and also some of the connecting roads. We anticipate completing construction on the roundabout and some of the connecting roads within the next few weeks, helping to tackle the traffic congestion at this busy junction. Darlington-based Cleveland Bridge, due to manufacture the two new bridges, went into administration which led to delays along staff and material shortages caused by COVID-19. The busy junction at Walsall is undergoing a transformation with bridges demolished and new, wider ones installed, as well as extra lanes added, and the slip road northbound and southbound widened. It all aims to help tackle congestion endured at the junction for many years. But the works have meant disruption to drivers who have faced over two and a half years of delays, with the project manager adding the delays were due to factors out of our control and it would take longer than necessary. Despite the subcontractor problems, both of the new two new bridges are now in use following the demolition of the 50-year-old bridges in May, with the new structures having four lanes instead of two. The whole of Dudley's historic police station is set to be turned into apartments, including old office rooms and the criminals' cells. The police station opened at the height of the Second World War, along with a fire and ambulance service, all provided in a single building. 
In May 2021, planning permission was granted for the conversion of the basement and ground floor of the station from offices into 14 apartments. Now, developers have lodged plans to develop the remaining floors into 10 more apartments, making 24 in all. The scheme proposes 10 new residential apartments on the first and second floors. The apartments will be a mix of one and two bedroom apartments, as well as some studio apartments. Dudley Police Station is located on the corner of the junction between New Street and Tower Street within Dudley Town Centre. Along Tower Street, the building connects to the old Dudley Fire Station, which has now been converted and forms part of the Dudley College Evolve. The fire station and ambulance station were constructed along with the police station from April 1939 and opened on October 22, 1941. The building is a key part of the Victorian and interwar area of Dudley Town Centre. The developer, Evolve Planning, says the character, appearance and significance of the police station will be maintained. A representative said, The proposed development seeks to sensitively restore this non-designated heritage and will not alter those elements of the building that contribute to its significance. The plans will soon go before Dudley Planning Committee for a decision. Key cutting and engraving specialist Timpsons are to open a new retail pod inside Wolverhampton's flagship Sainsbury's Superstore at St Mark's near the city centre. The company, which provides a range of services and repairs, including dry cleaning, photo printing, watch and shoe repairs, was given the go-ahead for the concession pod this week. A statement to planners submitted by consultant Alder King said, The self-contained retail pod will sit adjacent to the King's Barber's pod near the main pedestrian entrance to the store. The area is currently vacant and the unit will have an internal floor space of approximately 15 square metres, consisting of a customer counter and waiting area. The addition of a Timpsons at the food store will provide ancillary facilities for existing customers, enabling them to access dry cleaning, key cutting, engraving and watch repair services while shopping at the store. Other service concession facilities are well established in similar food stores across the UK. The closest Timpsons store is located in the Manda Centre in central Wolverhampton. The new pod is unlikely to have any impact on it owing to the complementary purposes, added the statement. There is also another Timpsons pod located within the Tesco Superstore on Marston Road. The Tesco Timpsons shows how a Timpson pod can work in a complementary supermarket format that benefits from passing trade by supermarket customers. Granting approval, planning officer Mr Job Elwell said the Timpson pod will sit comfortably alongside the existing barber's shop pod integrating appropriately within the space. Whilst the site is outside of a local or town centre, it does form part of the Sainsbury's retail area. Event organisers have confirmed free shuttle buses and overflow parking will be available at the region's favourite firework events at Himley Hall and Park. The Himley Bonfire and Fireworks Show will return on November 5th, with more than 20,000 people expected to attend. A free shuttle bus operated by National Express is set to run to and from locations across Dudley Borough for event ticket holders. Key pick-up locations include Dudley, Stourbridge and Howes Owen bus stations, Kingsbinford Cross, Quarrybank High Street, Sedgley Bullring, 
Roseville in Cosley, Wombourne Church, Cradley Railway Station and Waterfront East Car Park at Merry Hill. A limited park and ride service is available at Coles Car Boot Sale Field, which is located between San Diego Farm Shop and the Wagon and Horse Pub on the B4176 Himley Bypass. Councillor Sean Kesey, Cabinet Member for Commercialisation and Human Resources, said, We are expecting more than 20,000 people to join us on the 5th of November and we are asking people to jump on one of the free buses to help minimise congestion. For those who do plan to drive, parking is limited and spaces tend to fill up quickly at the park, so please set out with plenty of time and be mindful that spaces may not be available. Limited car parking is also available on site at Himley Hall at a cost of £8 per vehicle, which must be paid on the day and by cash only. Tickets for the event can be booked online at himleyhallandpark.co.uk forward slash bonfire hyphen tickets. Up now we hear about a research project looking for contributions, which is looking at British Blind Sport. Traverse, an independent research organisation, is working with British Blind Sport, a charity that makes sport and recreational activities accessible to people who are blind and partially sighted. Together, they're doing research about barriers to physical activity amongst blind and partially sighted people from ethnically diverse communities. As a part of this project, they're interested in speaking to blind and partially sighted people from ethnically diverse communities about their experiences of taking part in physical activities and sport. You do not need to be part of a sports team or do regular physical activity. They are interested in speaking to blind and partially sighted people with both positive and less positive experiences when it comes to being active. The discussions will last up to one hour and will be over the phone or on Zoom, whichever is more convenient to you. You can receive £40 of thank you for your time and are also able to claim an additional £20 to contribute towards any accessibility support you may require. If you are interested in taking part, please send an email to bbsresearch at traverse.ltd and they will be able to provide you with more information. You can find out more about Traverse by visiting www.traverse.ltd You can find out more about British Blind Sport by visiting britishblindsport.org.uk Coming up next on this week's edition of the Black Country Talking News, we have another block of local news. And starting this one off, we first hear from Liz. Tenpin, the UK's leading bowling and entertainment brand, has revealed a new look to a centre in the black country following a £1 million refurbishment. Tenpin Dudley has undergone a complete makeover with the investment, bringing new lanes, new dynamic LED lighting, plus a new soft play area for children. The entertainment centre in Castlegate Park, Dudley, has had an additional six new bowling lanes created, all newly designed with a new LED lighting system. A new bar serving cocktails has opened, while the arcade space has been expanded, with pool tables and a new soft play area added. The new soft play area has plenty to offer from slides to tunnels, plus more to keep children entertained. The newly refurbished site follows on from recent investment in the region, after Tenpin opened a brand new £3 million centre in Walsall. 
Elliot Marchant, general manager at Tenpin Dudley, said, Tenpin is all about creating a space where friends and families can create memorable moments, which is why we are really excited about Dudley's refurbishment. From bowling and cocktails to a new and improved soft play area, there is something for everyone at Tenpin, and in a few weeks' time, we'll be introducing karaoke too. We can't wait to welcome guests, old and new, to join us in the new and improved Tenpin. The festive season has started to stir in Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre this week, as the cast and creatives of their 2022 pantomime officially launched Aladdin. Panto has always been embedded into the Grand, and its legacy still stands strong today, as ticket sales for Aladdin have been booming. Adrian Jackson, Chief Executive and Artistic Director at the Theatre, said, The Grand Theatre has a rich history of producing pantomime. From the theatre's opening season in 1894, Panto was placed firmly at the heart of the annual programme. It has been my intention to return to in-house pantomime, and this year the ambition has become a reality. I am delighted Aladdin will be a Wolverhampton Grand Theatre production and since announcing our cast a few weeks ago we have received wonderful feedback and ticket sales have increased significantly. Excitement within the cast is palpable, all of whom have jumped at the chance to perform during the festive season. Michael Greco, who is best known for his role as Beppe in EastEnders and now plays Abenaza, said... Panto is just a good time. The last four or five Christmases, I've sat at home not doing anything and thinking I would have loved to have done Panto, so this is just perfect. Reflecting on his first memory of seeing a pantomime, Michael added, I was six and I didn't know that it was always a man who played the dame. I just thought it was a very butch woman. For me, that stuck out. I also remember booing the baddie a lot. And that's the thing about playing the baddie. It's great. The more they boo you, the more you're doing your job. A listener who took on the role of Radio 1 quiz host for a segment has made an embarrassing gaffe, confusing the black country with Birmingham. Presenters Matt Edmondson and Molly King were quizzed by a man named Jonathan as part of Have You Been Paying Attention quiz on Sunday. It sees the pair asked about things which have happened during the week by a listener with the first question of the segment being about Peaky Blinders. Jonathan asked, Peaky Blinders creator Stephen Knight has said that the story could potentially return to television with a new creative team. What museum is the series filmed in in Birmingham? Matt said he didn't know it was filmed inside a museum, which was backed up by fellow presenter Molly. The male presenter added the show was something he tried to watch, but he never warmed to it, despite joking he was jealous of the suits and the flat caps but would look like a little chimney sweep if he replicated it. Matt added, It's got to be like a museum of old Britain, hasn't it? When is it set? Like around the war, isn't it? The museum of the 20s or 30s. Hang on, in Birmingham there's a chocolate factory. No, is there a mu- museum of chocolate? No, they wouldn't film it there. It would, that wouldn't make sense. The two presenters asked to be put out of their misery, with Jonathan revealing the answer, although he got the name wrong, saying it's the Black Country Living History Museum, to which Matt responded, of course, the Black Country Living History Museum, that one. And the presenter added, I think there are people who work on Peaky Blinders who are going, I don't know the answer to that question. 
more than 20 talented artists had the chance to display and sell their original work at a special exhibition in Wolverhampton. The Wolverhampton Society of Artists Open Studios event is taking place this weekend, allowing people to chat to artists and see a wide range of art, including glass, drawings, paintings, ceramics, textiles, jewellery, printmaking, 3D work, photography, digital and moving images on show. While many exhibited their work at New Hampton Arts Centre in the city, some artists opened up their own studios elsewhere to the public. Organiser Lindsay Pritchard of Finchfield Wolverhampton said, People can just walk in and have a chat. A lot are often interested in art, so they can chat to the artists and get inspiration. It's a really nice community thing to do. New Hampton Arts Centre is nicely central. There's all sorts of things going on here. It's a really great venue for the arts and it would be nice for more people to know about it. New Hampton Arts Centre also hosts an art club on the first and third Sunday of each month, running from 11.30am to 1.30pm. Sessions cost £7 and include tea and cake. For more information on how to take part, call Jackie on... 07812-158603. A new book aims to tell the story of those who fought for workers' rights in the Victorian era. The Black Country Miners, A Struggle for Justice, 1850-1926, by author Keith Robinson, tells the story of the struggles of the colliers across the area in their fight for better conditions and wages at the end of the 19th century and start of the early 20th century. The book reveals the individual stories of hundreds of men from West Bromwich, Tipton, Oldbury, Coesley, Bilston, Darleston, Kingswinford, Dudley and beyond. Packed with information on local pits, it lays bare the injustices of the time and the lengths that the miners' leaders went to in an effort to change people's lives for the better. Mr Robinson is a member of the Black Country Society and worked with members of the group to help develop the book, with Black Country Society chairman Malcolm Dick describing how the book came about. He said, This new publication was stimulated by Keith's fortuitous discovery of the 1879 rule book of a miners' association based in West Bromwich, a local branch of the radical amalgamated association of miners. It inspired a wider exploration of one of the most important groups of workers in the region as books about coal miners are not new, but we knew more about mine owners, mineral geology and individual mines than the experiences and impact of the men who worked underground. The accessible and informative chapters explore individual and family lives, what was achieved through union activity and the significance of major events such as mining disasters and strikes. The 170-page book is available to buy for £9.99 and can be bought by contacting Keith at netcord9 at hotmail.com or phone at 01743 873 348. Up now, it's trivia time, brought to us by Flashback Roger and his Did You Know feature. Hello again everyone, 
Here's one subject that I'm sure everybody enjoys one way or another, whether it's just in drinks or anything whatsoever we eat. It's sugar. Now then, did you know that? The history of sugar goes back quite some time. However, when it was first introduced in England in the Middle Ages via the legendary Silk Road trade routes through the Middle East, it was known as a spice. That's because it was thrown in with ginger, cinnamon, saffron and other exotic spices, only available to the wealthy elites. But sugar has been consumed since ancient times. There are indications of early sugar consumption in Southeast Asia as far back as 8000 BC. Honey was the more common sweetener back in those days though, as it was both more commonly available and easier to transport. The most common application of sugar is as a sweetener, to be found in virtually any food, but its use doesn't stop there. Sugar can also function as a preservative to protect certain foods from spoiling. It can help preserve colour, texture and flavour of food. It also inhibits microbial activity, effectively extending the expiration date of canned goods. We are actually born to crave sugar, it's in our DNA. Toddlers as well as teenagers have a much stronger preference for sugar than adults. But did you know that it's not merely because the adverts successfully aimed at those targeted audience, but also due to basic biology? As one piece of scientific literature states, the liking for sweet tastes during development may have ensured the acceptance of sweet tasting foods such as mother's milk and fruits. But sugar also has medicinal qualities. In the middle of the 12th century, it was used as a treatment for anything from fever and cough to chapped lips and stomach diseases. But did you know that even modern doctors are finding ways that sugar can benefit your health as well? For instance, it may help heal wounds when antibiotics fail. And would you believe it, but lemon has more sugar than strawberries, although you'd no doubt guess otherwise. But a lemon contains far more sugar than a strawberry at about 70 to 40 percent. The acidity in lemons which gives it its tangy taste masks the sweetness though. Well there you go then. Just a snippet of things from such a vast and varied commodity. Personally I'm just really happy that it's around. I mean where would we be without it? No Kit Kats, no custard creams, no donuts. It don't bear thinking about does it? So I won't. I'll just push off now and have a dose of this wonder food. I think I've got a Mars bar in me drawer somewhere. Wish me luck. Till next week then I'll say ta-ra a bit. Ta-ra! Cheers for that Roger. Insightful as always. Up now then, we're over into the football news. Hello, I'm Ian and here's your latest football news. Wolves were swept aside 3-0 by a second-string Chelsea side as their dismal start to the Premier League season continues. Managerless Wolves surrendered plenty of possession but held their own defensively in the first half until a Kai Havertz sucker punch landed on the stroke of half-time to put the hosts ahead. The second half initially started brighter for Wolves as they created a handful of opportunities but poor defending meant Christian Pulisic was able to easily drift into the box and find Chelsea's second shortly after the restart. Substitutions for both sides meant the game slowed down considerably in the latter stages, and the dull game fizzled out as Wolves struggled. 
In the 90th minute, substitute Armando Broja added a third to condemn Wolves to another defeat. Speaking after the match, interim boss Steve Davis said, We prepared the team for the task. We knew it was going to be tough with the injuries and suspensions we have at the moment, but I felt we had some good moments in the game. We rode our luck a bit in the first half with some of the goalmouth scrambles. The goal came at a poor time just before the whistle. If we had gone in at nil-nil, who knows? We had a good start to the second half and in those moments when we are on top, we have got to create opportunities at goal. We need to get more bodies in the box. There wasn't enough people in the box taking risks. The mood when we came in was difficult, as you'd expect. We've had four days to try and lift them and be positive. We've had a great week's training, I have to say. The mood has been good. We've lifted it. In spells, you saw that. I can't criticise. I've been very positive in the dressing room afterwards, and I think that's the key going forward. Wolves next welcome Forrest to Molyneux this coming Saturday. West Brom have sacked Steve Bruce after a dismal start to the season has left them in the championship relegation zone. Albion have won just once in 13 games this season, with the final straw for the Baggies hierarchy coming on Saturday as they were held to a nil-nil draw against Luton Town. Many fans have been calling for a managerial change for some time, and for many it was expected to arrive after last week's midweek defeat to Preston. The club have now made the decision to part with Bruce, who has won just seven of his 30 games in charge at the Hawthorns. Bruce's backroom staff of Steve Agnew, Steve Clements and Alex Bruce have also left the club. But goalkeeper coach Gary Walsh remains in interim charge alongside under-21s boss Richard Beale and James Morrison. In a statement, the club said West Bromwich Albion have today parted company with manager Steve Bruce. Backroom staff Steve Agnew, Steve Clements and Alex Bruce have also left the Hawthorns. The club would like to place on record its thanks to Steve Bruce and his coaching staff for their efforts since arriving in February. Under-21s coach Richard Beale will oversee first-team affairs on an interim basis, assisted by James Morrison and Gary Walsh. The process of recruiting a new manager is now underway and an appointment will be confirmed in due course. Last Wednesday, Albion slipped into the championship relegation zone with a record of just one win in the opening 12 games, following defeat at Preston. A weak build as a key one for under-pressure Bruce to turn things around has now returned no points from a possible six, and Albion's plight is becoming more and more despairing. Bruce changed around more than half his side in a bid to arrest the alarming form, but Albion stuttered to another limp performance with Carlan Grant's second-half effort and only clear-cut opening after Emil Rees' early winner. The Baggies have managed just three away wins in 12 months, and with the club in the drop zone, the heat rises further on Albion's decision-makers, with inspiration in the stands and seemingly on the pitch at an alarming low. On Saturday, Albion fans led vocal chants against boss Steve Bruce and the Albion board as their side were held to a goalless draw at home by Luton Town. The hosts put in an improved display but were once again unable to find a way through for the win the manager so desperately needs. Albion were the better side for large parts and created more chances, as well as securing just a second clean sheet in 13 championship games. But it remains just a single victory in that period, leaving them marooned down in 22nd in the relegation places. 
Supporters' rage cranked up inside the final ten minutes of yet another frustrating afternoon for their side. Bruce withdrew Brandon Thomas Asante and Grady Diangana, the side's brightest outlets on the day, leading to loud chants of you don't know what you're doing and Bruce out. The heat was also once more turned up on owner Guachuan Lai and chief executive Ron Gourlay with jeers of sack the board aimed at the Albion hierarchy amid a toxic finale. Thomas Asante, who was refreshingly sharp, had his side's best chances in an undoubted improvement from the low bar set in the 1-0 midweek defeat at Preston, but it was still not good enough to see off the Hatters. Bruce and Albion, for the first time this season, reverted to the back three of last season, a system the manager worked hard in moving away from. The Baggies next face a trip to high-flying Reading this coming Saturday and then welcome Bristol City to the Hawthorns on Tuesday. Up now, we're to hear what the weather has in store for us. Brought to us as always by Mina. The weather for this week ahead is going to be full of showers but winds should be gentle. Temperatures for the week will be typically hovering around 13 degrees. UV levels are expected to be low throughout the week. The sunrise and sunset times are 7.39am for the sunrise and 18.08pm for the sunset. For Friday 14th of October, we have sunny intervals and a moderate breeze with a maximum temperature of 15 degrees. Moving on to Saturday 15th of October, we have light rain and a moderate breeze with a maximum temperature of 13 degrees. On Sunday 16th of October, we have light rain and a gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 13 degrees. For Monday 17th of October through to Wednesday 19th of October, we have rain showers and a gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 13 degrees. And for Thursday 20th of October, it's light rain and gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 13 degrees. So, that's your forecast for this week. As always, enjoy the weather. Up now, we hear from Steve Nutt of Computer Room Services about the history of his company and some of the assistive technology products and services available for visually impaired people. TNF Soundings. Features from across the UK. Hello, this is Tim Pennick with another of our Shop Window articles in which one of the UK-based suppliers of assistive technology gets the chance to verbally lay out their store before the potential customer. This time, it's Steve Nutt of Computer Room Services setting out his wares to entice you. As is the pattern with these articles, I started by asking Steve to outline the history of his company. So Computer Room Services was actually born because um, I got made redundant from my job. Um, I started off as a typist and then I became a computer programmer. I wasn't particularly good at programming, but I was a programmer. And then I was a network administrator at uh, a life insurance company. And then um, we got made redundant. The whole department got made redundant. So I had to look for something else to do. And in the 1990s, we had a a bulletin board system and we used to distribute shareware, you know, uh, software that people could download that was particularly accessible and things like that. 
And my bulletin board was called the computer room because it all happened in the computer room. So um, uh, my, uh, we, we were trying to think of a name for the business. Um, and my wife came up with it and she said to me, well, the bulletin board used to be called the computer room. So why not call it computer room services? So we started off and I was a, train, a trainer and I used to train people on PCs uh, using DOS in those days and then latterly Windows. Yeah. And that stayed, that, that's remained. So I still train people uh, using JAWS and NVDA and Narrator. And I train on Duxbury, the Braille translation system. So Reaper is uh, a digital audio workstation. And I do some training on Reaper as well. And I also do sound recording restoration on Reaper as well. You know, sometimes I've restored vinyl for people and things like that. And most of this is, is done by me and my wife is my rock. She's my partner. And I think the, the USP, if you want a USP of the company, is that we are both blind. And so everything has to work for us. Uh, everything has to work for me and Angie. And we have a support worker. She drives me around the country so that I can visit people and train them, you know, and things like that. And uh, she also does some of the admin that I can't do, like putting checks in the bank and filling in forms and things that are generally not accessible or things that are accessible, but she could do in half an hour and it would take me exactly. two hours to do. Yeah. I don't know. If you, <laughs> you know, um, Debbie's been working me, with me for three years. And so if you ever ring us, you'll either talk to me, Angie or Debbie. So um, we've now expanded and we have an online uh, website of some 180, 200 products. Everything we sell, we've tested, you know, so it has to work for us. We don't sell magnifiers. We don't sell magnification because everyone else does. Yeah. You know, if you go to any other organization, mostly what they sell is magnifiers and things for low vision. And I think the, the totally blind, I don't know what you think, but I think the totally blind is a bit of a forgotten market sometimes. And so we, we have a good relationship with products, uh, with product manufacturers like Bones for Milestone products, if you've yeah. heard of the Daisy Players. Yeah. And also CareTech, we have a good relationship. So we do their color testers and they do some fantastic program, um, products. They do kitchen scales, bathroom scales that talk. They all talk. They do a really good battery charger. Um, so you can put four AAAs, double A's, C cells, D cells in it, anything you want, and it will speak the level of charge of each battery. We have talking clocks. We have talking watches. We have tactile watches. So we've got a couple of watches that vibrate and beep to tell you the time rather than talk, which means that the deaf blind are included a little bit. We do braille displays as well. One of the things we can offer is to, to help people set up smart speakers and, and various things like that. Um, whether we go to their house or we do it remotely as much as possible because with the Amazon products, you can do it with a PC. Yeah. So as long as they've got their Amazon login details, we can log into their PC and we can set up their smart speakers for them. So we can do that um, or we can come to their house. But of course, that works out more expensive. We sell PCs. We get them here. We install your screen reader of choice and then activate it if you want to give us the activation codes. And then we send it out to you and it's all talking, all ready to go. I notice you've you also got things like hi-fi products on there, which is, I think, really interesting. I didn't, I didn't know you did that. Yes, um, that all came about because my wife and I love uh, Blue Sound in particular. Um, and they, they do some high-resolution hi-fi 
um, and they have a wireless system, so they've got different speakers, a bit like Sonos, you know, but higher def- higher quality, you know, and, and that. And and so <laughs> Blue Sound approached me and asked if we wanted to become a reseller, and I said, yeah, we'll do it. We don't sell many of them, to be fair, but we, we do sell them. Um, believe it or not, we also sell Draytech routers. Um, these are internet routers. They're business routers. They wrote to me once and said, do you want to become a reseller? And I said, not really. I'm not going to sell many of them. And they said, there's no minimum quantity, you know. And since since I sold Draytech, um, they do some really interesting webinars for their dealers all about high-speed networks and things like that and the new broadband that's coming and things like that. So it gives me a chance to keep up with that. And that's another um, branch if the consumer is having Wi-Fi issues in their house. Um, we can also, whether remotely or in the house, we can also configure their Wi-Fi router because I used to be a network admin and hopefully optimize their, their internet speeds and things like that. And we do that for sighted people as well as blind people. Um, and one final probably stem is that we are resellers of Ceratex uh, Remote Incident Manager. And that allows blind technologists to log in to their family's computers and support them. And you can pay a monthly or a yearly charge and be able to access anybody's computer remotely. And it's accessible. So even if, if the sighted person has got no screen reader on it, it'll run a screen reader locally on your machine. So it's JAWS tandem, if you like, with steroids. I didn't know Serotech was still a thing, I must admit. They're now called Numa Solutions. Um, and they're, they're re they're re-updating the RIM system, the remote incident manager system. And it, it's, it's fantastic, to be honest. Um, I can log into anyone's computer and it's just like sitting at their desk, you know, whether they're blind or sighted. You know, if, if they're sighted, as I say, and it's got no screen reader, I can run a screen reader locally, a temporary screen reader on their machine and hear exactly what's going on. So it, it allows me to help people that aren't blind as well. So we also do computer contracts and we do computer maintenance for people, uh, driver updates, things like that. If they want to sign up to that, they can get monthly or yearly contracts. I think services really is the way to go. I, I try and get as many services as I can and as much training as I can. So, of course, if, if people want training, then absolutely, you know, contact me. Um, I, I know all the major screen readers pretty much inside out. Do you have a favourite product or anything that's particularly on the on the horizon that you'd like to, people to know about? Actually, if anything, uh, my favourite product at the moment is ARX. So ARX is augmented reality experience, which is glasses. They're, they're a, a headset. And you basically put the headset on. It's got a camera on, on the right, near the right eye. And it can do things like document recognition. It can do face recognition. Uh, it can identify various objects. It can identify currency, all kinds of various things like that. Um, and you plug it into currently only an Android phone at the moment. We, we are working on iPhone, but because of iPhone's closedness, um, it's hard to do things with USB cameras with iPhones. You know, I, I really like that at the moment because it's the closest I've been to seeing. So, you know, if I walk along with scene detection going it will tell me when there's a, a door approaching and things like that i've been employed as the associate product manager for them um as well and they're working really hard to get things like for example document reader to work really well and um and scene detection and scene detection recognizes short text as well so you can re- you can sometimes read street signs if you're really lucky and things like that um 
Another one of my favourite products, if I can get one more in, is the nav. Is, is called the Navi Belt. Again, this is this is quite expensive. It's one thousand nine hundred ninety-five, but you wear it a bit like a trouser belt. But you wear it just above your trousers, so round your waist, and it's got sixteen vibromotors in it, so it vibrates. And what it does is it vibrates all around your body, and so if you're facing north, it will vibrate at your back. And if you're vibrating south, if you're facing south, it'll vibrate your stomach and anywhere in between. So as you turn around, it, it, it moves. So the vibration moves. So if you go left, the vibration will go right. OK, now that sounds OK. Well, you know, that sounds like an expensive compass. But the point is, it also has this thing called beeline mode. And what you can do, and this is my favorite feature, you stand at the edge of the road. And you double tap a button on the on the box, on the belt, and it immediately vibrates at your back, whatever way you're facing, right? And then you start walking across the road. And if you veer in either direction, so if you veer left, it, the vibrate will move to your right. So you can immediately feel if you veered, you know. And, and I, I love all of that sort of um, what I call artificial vision stuff, you know, stuff that can compensate for us not seeing the, the only other thing i'd say is of course we you know we care about our customers and i'll go 110 percent to help anyone out yeah. um and and with our support packages um if it's remote we charge 30 pound an hour and if i can't fix a problem you don't pay so in if you want to contact us by phone uh it's 01438 if you want to contact me by email, it's steve at comproom, as, as in computer room services, but c-o-m-p-r-o-o-m dot co dot uk. You can go on the web at www.comproom.co.uk. And if you really want to be a masochist and follow me on Twitter or follow us on Twitter, it's comproom underline co underline uk. TNS Soundings. Have you done any good at the quiz this week? Well, now's the time to find out, as we have the quiz answers. Hello, and here are your answers for this week's flashback quiz. Are you ready? Question one. What was sugar known as in the Middle Ages? And the answer? Spice. Question two. What was often used as a sweetener before sugar? And the answer? Honey. Question three, what can sugar be also used for? And the answer here is a preservative. Question four, why do we love sugar so much? And the answer here is because it's in our DNA. Question five, what is unusual recently discovered quality of sugar? And the answer, it can heal wounds. And finally, question six. What fruit contains more sugar than strawberries? And the answer here is lemons. How did you do? Great, I hope. But if not, there's always another chance to have a go next week. Now, did you get the answer to this week's Guess the Sound question that Rob asked at the start of the show? Here's one more chance to hear it before I tell you the answer. The sound you just heard 
was a recording of boiling water. Now to end this week's edition of the Black Country Talking News, we have an article about pumpkins. TNF Soundings. Features from across the UK. Hello, this is Anne with an item about Halloween, pumpkins and the legend of jack-o'-lantern. What says October more than a beautiful orange pumpkin? National Pumpkin Day is celebrated every year on October the 26th. The day gives thanks to this popular squash native to North America. The word pumpkin originates from piopon, which means large melon in Greek. It then evolved to pompon in French and pompion in Britain. The Americans later changed it to pumpkin. There are over 45 different varieties of pumpkin. Technically a fruit, the pumpkin is a winter squash in the family Kiyokubutasea, which includes cucumbers and melons. 92% water, every single part of a pumpkin is edible. The practice of carving jack-o'-lanterns was brought to America by Irish immigrants. In their homeland, the Irish used to carve jack-o'-lanterns out of potatoes or turnips, but upon arrival in America, they began to use pumpkins instead because they were far easier to carve. The tradition of the jack-o'-lantern stems from an Irish legend about a man named Stingy Jack, who was a somewhat unpleasant character, famous for playing tricks on people. According to the story, Stingy Jack invited the devil to have a drink with him. True to his name, Stingy Jack didn't want to pay for his drinks, so he convinced the devil to turn himself into a coin that Jack could use to buy their drinks. Once the devil did so, Jack decided to keep the money and put it into his pocket next to a silver cross, which prevented the devil from changing back into his original form. Jack eventually freed the devil, under the condition that he would not bother Jack for one year, and that, should Jack die, he would not claim his soul. The next year, Jack again tricked the devil into climbing into a tree to pick a piece of fruit. While he was up in the tree, Jack carved a sign of the cross into the tree's bark so that the devil could not come down until he promised Jack not to bother him for ten more years. Soon after, Jack died. As the legend goes, God would not allow such an unsavoury figure into heaven. The devil, upset by the trick Jack had played on him and keeping his word not to claim his soul, would not allow Jack into hell. He sent Jack off into the dark night with only a burning coal to light his way. Jack put the coal into a carved out turnip and has been roaming the earth with it ever since. The Irish began to refer to this ghostly figure as Jack of the Lantern and then simply Jack O'Lantern. TNF Soundings
So that's it for another edition of the Black Country Talking News. A reminder to our CD listeners who have received CDs in padded envelopes that you don't need to send anything back to us. If you have a sight loss tip or someone you would like to wish happy birthday to, just say hello to. Maybe even a poem or talking book you would like reviewed, then please get in touch with us at the Beacon Centre. Call 01902 880 Email bctn at beaconvision.org or write to us at the Black Country Talking News, Beacon, Wolverhampton Road East, Wolverhampton, WV46AZ. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening and thank you to all our supporters, donators and volunteers who without their support will be unable to run this free service. Please note the information and views expressed in this recording does not necessarily represent the views of Beacon or Talking News and were accurate at the time of recording. Mentions of goods and services does not imply endorsement and whilst every care is taken to supply accurate information, Beacon and Talking News do not undertake liability for any errors. So it's goodbye from all of us, stay safe, have a good week and we look forward to bringing you next week's edition of the Black Country Talking News. Ta-ra!